It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good evening, all you wonderful people out here in Radio Land. It's Wednesday night. It's eight o'clock, and you know what? That means it's time for another wonderful, exciting episode of the NGSC West Recess. We here on the West, we are the most underrepresented of the lot, and that's what Josh and I are here for. We're here to fight that West Coast bias one show at a time. But that's not to say that we don't have fun also, because we have ourselves a great time while we do that. And I guess I should introduce myself properly while I'm sitting here talking to you all. I am Jerome Butler, a.k.a. Raider Rome. A.K.A. My Little Brother's Big Brother, A.K.A. Last King of Raider Nation. And Fighters West Coast Bias is never a one-man operation, so I'd like to introduce to you one man that I do trust in this operation. My co-host with the most, my brother of another color, my main man, Josh Madsen. Good evening, Jerome. Looking forward to the show, and I'm doing really good. Uh, thanks for asking, and let's get this show on the road. Yeah, no doubt, man. Been a pretty interesting week in the world of the sports here on the West Coast. Uh, Josh, man, you get to check out the end of that Raider um, Bronco game? Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw a little bit of it, yes. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, my heart was in my throat the whole fourth quarter of that game. I mean, I was sitting there trying to, like, mess around with T.D. Bronco like I always do. I mean, but that fourth quarter, I couldn't really even do that, man. Khalil Mack, dude, that guy, he's just one hell of a superstar in the making, ain't he? He had an amazing game. He was unbelievably impressive in that game, and he was single-handedly probably one of the biggest reasons. They won that game for sure. Yep. I mean, Denver's defense is very stingy. Derek Carr looked like, man, the first half, he just looked like a shell of himself. He made enough uh, plays in the second half, though, to keep the Raiders close. And I like the way they designed that last touchdown to take the lead over there with the uh, pass to Rivera on the fake bubble screen because Denver had been jumping it all day. So great coaching right there. And once again, Jack Del Rio and um, – the um, offensive coordinator over there, Musgrave, makes a great um, adjustment. So you got to give it to him. Uh, the Raiders were impressive, and they made me happy because they uh, knocked off Denver, which only helps New England. So kudos to the Raiders for being being my friend right now. <laughs> yeah, you stole my thunder there, Josh. I was just about to say, Patriot fans, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, sir. I'll take it, too, and thank you. <laughs> no problem here. We got Kurt here with us yet? I do not see him on the list, so. Uh, no. Okay, because tonight we're supposed to have Kurt along with uh, Sandman as our guest for this evening. Well, sir, so. he is not here, so. Well, the Sandman's here. The Sandman yeah, we still, is here. We still got the Sandman. So, how you doing over there tonight, Sand? I'm doing great, Jerome. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Josh? How are you doing? It's great to be with the both of you. Looking forward to a wonderful show tonight. I am oh, it should be a great one, like always. Yeah, yeah, usually are. You know, and, and commenting on that that Raiders Broncos game that you were just discussing, I think uh, the, the the biggest flaw with the Denver Broncos was exposed in that football game. Uh, obviously, you know, arguably the best defense in the NFL. They, you know, it's, they're right up there. Maybe maybe they're number two. Maybe they're three. Maybe they're one. But they're right there. But you see what happens to a Denver team when they make some mistakes in the second half. And they just didn't have the offensive ability to overcome those mistakes, and then they drop a, a very big game at home, 15 to 12 to Oakland, and uh, obviously keeps Oakland's slim playoff hopes alive there. 
Well, you know, another thing, Sandman, is Denver proved once again that they can't run the damn ball. And and that's a big reason why they can't win games, too. And Brock Osweiler should not be throwing the ball 51 times in a game. Point. I, I'm not, you know, he's, you got to treat him more like he's Trent Dilfer out there with this team. He needs to yeah. manage a football game and not make mistakes. And if you ask him to throw the ball 51 times, he's going to make a few mistakes. There's no doubt. I had no problem, personally, with Osweiler throwing the ball 51 times. I mean, it allowed that defensive line to keep pinning their ears back and going after him. And, hey, you cannot kick field goals in the first half of a football game and expect to win. So that's pretty much where I'm at with that. That's an excellent point there, Jerome. Uh, all those uh, opportunities in the red zone that they missed came back to haunt them in the end. Yeah, no doubt. But, hey, Ray Rome's not giving that win back. I mean, these guys have kicked our ass eight times in a row. So I didn't care how ugly it was. I'll take a 15-12 win over a 60-59 to loss any day. Raiders still alive for one more week anyway. And up uh, here well, next in oh, – go ahead, Sandra. It's good for you to continue hope. I think uh, realistically as a Raiders fan, I think you know you're probably not going to make the playoffs. But uh, I would say they've made strides this year. And uh, next year it's got to be about using some of that, that cap space money that they got to uh, bring in some more talent and uh, making some wise decisions in the draft. But yeah, no doubt. I'm really looking forward to it. For the first time in a long time, I could actually go into the end of a football season and say, hey, the Raiders are on to something as opposed to, in 2010 and 2011, even though they, these teams went 8-8, eight and eight, it did seem like there was a lot of uncertainty going into the future. But this, but this time around, you actually know what's about to take place with Oakland. Yeah, I, I happen to agree with that, yes. I mean, even with the little bumps in the road that cause having down the stretch here, uh, I think they, they, have the, they have the leader of their club, and you just got to continue to add pieces around them. Oh, uh, yeah, no problem. The Raiders will start to do that. And, and the AFC West, look out. They're a player, they're a player now. So that was our, pretty much our Raider report for this week. And, Josh, man, the last time we talked, we were thinking about Golden State possibly winning 33 in a row. Man, no such luck. They go into Milwaukee, and after winning 28 games in a row, they finally catch a beatdown by the Bucks. And Milwaukee is now into two of the longest winning streaks in NBA history at 28 and 33 games by the Los Angeles Lakers. So the Midwest, they can't play basketball very well, but they can't end some streaks. So talk to us about Golden State streaking. I was shocked. I mean, Minnesota. <laughs> uh, uh, Milwaukee. I mean, not Min- Milwaukee, my bad, sorry. Uh, Milwaukee being the team to end the streak was pretty shocking, if you ask me. Um, but it was bound to happen. I mean, of, of course, Golden State was not going to go undefeated this year. I mean, the, that's impossible. There's no way that was going to happen. So, I mean, they're going to get back on track. They're going to start. They'll they'll win a bunch of games in a row again. Uh, I just it's just a streak that ended, and they'll create a new streak, is my opinion. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Before we get to Sandman, though, I was just thinking about something really, really weird here. The Golden State oh, Warriors are 24 and one, but on the other end of the spectrum, the Philadelphia 76ers are currently one and 24. Pretty weird symmetry in the NBA, huh? Well, Philadelphia sucks, so <laughs> there's no shock there, man. Yeah, they did add Jerry Colangelo to try to speed up their tanking, I mean, um, rebuilding project. So we'll see how that goes in the future there. You got anything you want to add about Golden State here, Sam? Man? Um, just that I actually wasn't shocked that they lost to Milwaukee. Uh, being the night before they, they played that game in Boston, that I believe what, it was two overtimes that game or three? No, that was two overtimes, yeah. But that was a long, hard game they played. They had to really fight to get past that game. And then you're talking about Thompson being hurt uh, and then having to go back and play Milwaukee the next night. I actually kind of thought they were ripe to lose that game. And uh, here's the ironic part. Who, who, did, the, who did the Milwaukee Bucks just lose to? 
<laughs> the lake is <laughs> yeah, crazy. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> the yeah, NBA is a wild world, know. I tell you. Why they play the games, as they say. Yeah, no doubt. Man. Okay, so before we move on from this, here's my next question. Does Golden State win 73 basketball games this season? You first, Josh. Do they win 73 games? Let's see. Um, uh, I'm going to say no because that's, just, that's a lot of wins. And the odds are better in my favor to say no than to say yes, I would say. <laughs> okay. And here's your and question two for you, Josh. Do the Philadelphia right. 76ers lose 70 games this season? Oh, um, that's actually possible, yeah. I would say yes. Yeah, those guys are terrible. All right, Sam, man. Golden State win 73 this year? You know, we, we discussed this, if you remember, a few weeks back, and I, I had predicted Golden State to win 70 games because uh, I thought they'd come really close to uh, setting this record. You know, they may do it. Uh, it's pretty crazy, but they might they might be able to do it. I might have to say that I think it's a 50-50 shot now that I think they can actually accomplish that feat. So it's it's really hard. Like Josh said, you know what? You, you, obviously, you say you bet against it, but I think it's really, really a fifty-fifty proposition now. And I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna go go ahead and say that these things can happen from time to time in sports. I'm gonna say the Golden State Warriors win seventy-three games. Okay, I think we got ourselves our um our next guest here, Kurt Nelson, on with us. You here with us now, Kurt? No one okay. else has logged on yet there, Jerome. I'll oh. let you know when somebody does. <laughs> okay, hold on here. He told me he had the wrong PID number. So uh, I'll, help, I'll help Kurt out here. And before we move on here, Sad, does Golden State lose 70, 70 games? I mean, does Philadelphia lose 70 games? Yes, they do. I, I, I'm Hands down, they have some good young big men, but the team's a disaster. Uh, they, they're going to lose those 70 games. I, I just, look, I can, I can see them losing 73. <laughs> Well, yeah, they would. If they hit 73, that would definitely tie their record for futility because they actually lost 73 games back in more NBA Cemetery, 1973. <laughs> Pretty wild, huh? Uh, then the question is, why is Philadelphia really so bad? And, and I'm not a Philly fan, so maybe, um, you know, Jerome has an answer to that. But that team has been awful for a while, and they've done a lot of trading away players. They're high, all their high draft picks, they basically traded away last year. So I don't know what that team is trying to do, but I don't know. Uh, any opinions on the matter? <laughs> yeah, I'll, no try. I'll, I'll fill this one here first. It looks like Philadelphia here, they're, they're attempting to try a model. Like the last five or six seasons, Philadelphia was like a mediocre kind of basketball team. They were finished at the seven or eight seed and never really have a chance at the title. So they decided to try a different kind of model here where they would lose tons and tons of basketball games, get, get high draft picks, and continue to and try to build highly through the draft. The only problem with the way that they're doing this, this is there are, there's actually no veterans on the team for a locker room experience to actually help the young kids go through what they're going through. And what we're seeing here with that is the kids aren't really building. Your, your guys that you're drafting are getting hurt. You've got one guy that's not even in the United States yet. And, it just, and it's just making for horrible, horrible basketball. Instead of you rebuilding, people are laughing at you and making you look and thinking you're a damn joke. So that's pretty much why Philadelphia's um, rebuilding slash tanking project isn't going so well. What do you think, Sam? Man? I think you, first of all, I think you make an excellent point in regards to them having no veterans on the team. You, you, you know, basketball is not, is, even though you can say it's a young man's sport, you need leadership and the basketball to learn your way. You're going to need a couple of guys on the team who have been through the, uh, the wars. They lack that. 
There's no doubt. Um, they have some good young talent up front. It's very obvious that they do with Knowles and, and Okafor and hopefully Embiid coming back. But they have no backcourt. How are you supposed to win basketball games if you can't distribute the ball? How are you supposed to win basketball games if you can't guard another, uh, another team's point guard? You're not going to win that way. We all know that's a formula in the NBA. And they don't have it. They lack it. They're the worst at it in the NBA. And that uh, pretty much is the reason why that their record is what it is. Great point there, Sam. These guys are a damn joke. I'll tell you that much here. <laughs> and I think we finally did get Kurt in here with us now. How you doing over there, Kurt? Uh, doing well tonight, Jerome. All right, man. It's good to have you. I know we got off to a bit of a slow start here. You want to weigh in on this NBA discussion that we're having real quick here? Boy, I tell you, I really cannot add much to you uh, in regards to NBA. <laughs> okay, no problem here. I uh, was just pretty much wondering, do you think the Golden State could win 73 basketball games this season? You know, they were talking about that the other day and breaking it down. It wasn't unrealistic. They had to go like 48 and 10 or, you know, thereabouts just to tie it. I don't follow it enough, um, but it's interesting. I, I When they break the numbers down, it sounds like they can do it. Well, I'm going to sit there and hope that they can because the Lakers are going nowhere. They're actually shooting themselves in the ass by winning basketball games. But that's another story for a different day there. And I guess we should go ahead and get into some football. I know that's what we're all waiting on here. So, I guess we should go ahead and start here. The first panel question I have here, we'll start with you, Kurt. Who wins the NFC East this year? Hopefully. Well, I tell you, probably Philly, you know. Um, and it's hard to pick somebody. I mean, Dallas is out. I don't care, you know, what, what Jerry Jones thinks. Um, and the Giants, God bless them. Um, I think Tom Coughlin, you know, Rivera probably win coach of the year um, in the NFC but Tom Coughlin's doing a ton with very little there with the Giants. You know, and thereby, well, I just, I just think the Giants have a tough road to go here. And I think Philly's going to squeak it on out. That's a pretty interesting take there. I do think the Eagles are starting to play um, good basketball at the right time. So hopefully, they can, so hopefully they can get together and get that done there. I'll just say basketball, damn. <laughs> All right, yeah, Josh, I'm still thinking about the 76ers, man. I ain't had, I, I ain't had breakfast. Leave me alone, huh? <laughs> All right, man. All right. Uh, but I, I guess since you're messing with me, Josh, who do you have one in the NFC East? <laughs> okay, uh, this is actually, this is definitely a tough one, but I would have to lean towards the Eagles right now. I, I, I think they're, uh, look, they beat my team, New England, which is supposed to be one of the best teams in the NFL. And granted, New England had a lot of injuries going into that game, but the Eagles got got it done, and and I think they're playing a little bit better lately. So I'm buying. I'm buying the Eagles. Okay, that's two for two here. So I guess we should go now to our resident NFC East fan, actually, here. And I know Dallas is 4-9, and, and it's kind of tough. So, Sam, man, I'm going to give you a two-parter here. Do you think Dallas could still win this division? And if not, who does win it? Uh, first off, no, I do not think Dallas can still win this division. Uh, you, you've watched enough of Matt Castle to understand that that's, he's just not capable of leading this team to, uh, to winning, you know, multiple victories in a row, nevertheless, nevertheless struggling to win one game. So, no, they're not going to. I think Dallas finishes 4-12, and 12, in fact. I don't think they're going to win another game. Um, as far as who I think is going to win it, well, you know, I, I, might, I might agree with uh, Josh and Nelly that the Eagles are probably the better team. However, when I look at the schedule – 
I happen to think the schedule favors the Redskins more than anybody at this stage. I think the Redskins will win this week at home versus the Bills. They've played at home. They've played well at home. Uh, I don't like the Eagles' chances to beat the Cardinals this week. I don't like the Giants' chances to beat Carolina this week, which then leads you into two weeks where the Redskins just got to win a game and they got to play Dallas. So my, my feeling is that the Redskins are going to take the NFC East. Well, I'm going to go ahead and go with something a little different here. I actually believe that the New York Giants, well, yeah, they're going to win the division. I, I know I may sound like I'm smoking crack here or what have you, but the New York Giants could beat the Carolina Panthers Sunday. Carolina, they just seem way too full of themselves, and hey, the time is right for an upset. Because if they don't, they're going 16-0. and And we all know what happens when the New York Giants do find their way into the playoffs. Sure, that game in Minnesota may be asking a little too much, but hey, I, think, I think Eli Manning in a, in a one-off elimination situation, who better than him? So I'm going to go ahead and put my money on the Giants until Philadelphia or Washington knocks them off. You don't think Josh Norman uh, might shut down OBJ? He sent it to, uh, I think, five other elite receivers this year for a total of like 89 yards over those five games. Um, I think you've got to worry more about the Carolina Panthers' uh, pass rush destroying Eli Manning in that offensive line. I don't think that Eli Manning is one of those wide receivers. I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. is a wide receiver that doesn't get shut down. Although I do believe that Josh Norman will be able to slow him down and keep him away from those big, gigantic plays that he had against Miami, I do think Beckham will be able to um, get his share in also. It's going to be fun to watch those two get it on on Sunday. I've heard that much. You've got to be honest, though, that you've got to factor in the, in the thing with the Giants that they could get brisked. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so I forgot about the brisk kiss of death. <laughs> yeah, you got to take that into consideration for sure. All bets are off then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anything could happen at that point. Uh, Josh brings up a great point. The brisk kiss of death is alive and will. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I, you know, I should bet that way. I'd be rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I hear it has a um, 96% kill rate, according to Kurt here. <laughs> 96.8 to be accurate, but, you know, it's it's not an absolute, but it, it definitely is uh, something to consider. Yeah. Before we move on here to our recaps here, we're going to do something a little different here. We're going to, uh, do we have Matt Dokin here with us? We're going to pull him in a little early tonight. Here. Oh, I may have muted him. Let me see if this is him. Matt, is that you? What's up, guys? How's it going? Oh, hey, man. It's good to see you, man. How you feeling over there? I'm doing great. How is it? Uh, It's great to have you here. Uh, Let me go ahead and get your introduction here. I mean, I want everybody to get their pens and paper out because you know what time it is. It's time for you to make some money with my main man, our resident um, Twitter fantasy sports guru, Matt Dokin. Me? I'm not the guy you want to talk to about making money. I'm just in the way. So I'm going to go ahead and step back and let my main man do what he do. And without further ado, here's the man of the hour, Matt Dorkin. Make us some money, Matt. Take it away. All right, let's get right into it. I got some great plays this week. Uh, I'm going to help you just start out your cash game lineups. That's how we're going to do it today. We're going to start with two great value running backs, T.J. Yeldon. Knee sprain. He's not looking good this week. The Jaguars signed Jonas Gray off the Dolphins' practice squad, so that pretty much shows you Yeldon's not going to be there. After Yeldon went out last week, 
Denard Robinson got every single snap, all the carries, a ton of work. He's only 6,300 on Fanduel, and that's a workhorse facing Atlanta, one of the worst defenses with the most running back touchdowns scored against. Also, you look at the team total, 26 points. That's beautiful. And with the amount of volume this guy is going to get, he has a great chance of getting in the end zone. So that's a guy, you know, at that 6300 price on FanDuel, 4600 on DraftKings, you're, you're going to want to just lock that guy in. The next guy you're going to want to just lock in to, you know, secure some value at the running back spot so you can move up and pay up for those, you know, high-end wide receivers like some you were talking about earlier. I heard you talking about Odell Beckham. You're going to want to go with David Johnson at Philadelphia, another great value, 6500 on Sandal, 5700 on DraftKings. Uh, another team, the implied team total is a beautiful thing, 27, very high. Uh, I think this has got to be the David Johnson week. He got stopped on the one-yard line last week, and that, w- that would have been the explosion. But I think this week is coming. He's a workhorse back in a top three uh, offense in the NFL. Uh, this is the week. He's going to get 100 yards. He's going to get the touchdown. Uh, this is the payoff. You know, Philadelphia has allowed at least 100 yards rushing in four straight games, including uh, Doug Martin, 235-yard uh, complete annihilation. Uh, also, you know, the Cardinals are favored, so that puts them in a good spot to, you know, have a lot of running game work and kill the clock. We know Bruce Arians likes to, you know, light it up, but either way, David Johnson is great in the pass game. Just lock those two guys in on your cash game and move on this week. You know, that, that's how strongly I feel. At those prices, they're both going to be seeing over 25 touches. Lock them in. Next, a guy who has not been performing well. Julio Jones at Jacksonville. He's an Indiana Jones play this week. I know that's surprising, but with how he's been producing on his salary, you haven't been getting what you need. But the salary has come down. So I think this is a great week to go all in on him in tournament. Uh, He's facing Devon Howe. He's definitely burnable. He's uh, pro football focus, has a good uh, 16-point advantage over here on the grades. Matt Ryan has looked terrible. It's going to keep everybody off him. Julio hasn't cracked 100 yards in three straight games, and he hasn't had a touchdown since week eight. Well, I think this is a week. The upside with this guy at under 9K is insane. You know he can get 200, uh, 200 yards, two touchdowns. So love that guy in tournaments this week. Let's get a tight end. Ben Watson. With Drew Brees, man in the hell, 5,600 on Sandal, 4,800 on DraftKings, facing Detroit. They have what you call a funnel defense. You know, they're pretty adequate uh, in the wide receivers. They got Darius Slay, who's, you know, been shutting guys down. Uh, I think he'll be on Brandon Cooks there. So, you know, they're really weak against the tight end, you know, and if you can't go on the outside, you go to the inside, you know, where they're vulnerable. It just funnels the targets right there. You've seen wide receiver one targets in the last three games with 9, 8, and 11. I mean, he's, he's only capitalized on more than 50% just once, but I think he's going to involve really heavily in the game plan this week. Uh, he's definitely one of Drew Brees' favorite targets, and look at that over-under. Boom, baby. 50.5, that's going to be a shootout. Ooh, I look forward to it here. Um, you got any fantasy related questions over there for Matt over there, Kurt? No, but I liked uh talking up Denard Robinson there. I got a big matchup in the uh, Lunatics League, great name this week. 
I'm playing a, uh, uh, my evil nemesis, Duck, uh, the Mighty Ducks, and I snagged Denard Robinson, and I'm hoping he produces just like uh, he's saying there. Oh, yeah. Rolling the dice. I'd, I'd put him right in your starting lineup this week in the playoffs. You know, he's going to go off. He's going to have a big week. Yeah, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to drop some Bryce Brown love here, but, you know, I checked over on FanDuel, and they don't even have him in the player pool. Oh, dang. So, so he up there on zero then, I'm at. Hey, he should be 3500 over there. I was looking for that value. Yeah, he couldn't even find him there. You got any questions over there, Sandman? You can... Oh, I need Matt Bed this week. Uh, I'm in my semifinals matchup, Matt. Uh, how, oh, by the way, how are you tonight to Sandman? What's up, bud? Good luck, man. That's the way to be in the playoffs and the money. Yeah, here's my problem. I got Jonathan Stewart. And obviously, they announced he's not playing. So uh, what running back would I, best be, uh, would I have the best chance of picking up from Carolina to play this week? Uh, you know, the, the two guys I talked about, uh, Bryce Brown and uh, Denard Robinson, are those guys available? I mean, Bryce Brown, you know, the news came out a little late. Some people were still on Dewan Harris. They might not know. It's still kind of early in the week. Do you know if he's coming in your league? Yeah, actually, I put a claim in on Bryce. I, I also wanted to know uh, which running back I should put a claim on, but Carolina will probably get the most carries in replacing Jonathan Stewart. You know, that's not a situation I don't think you're going to want to go towards, to be honest, because even when Jonathan Stewart was on the field, you know, you saw uh, Tolbert get a lot of work, even in the red zone sometimes. Cam's running it a lot. I mean, if you had to pick a guy, it would be Fozzie Whitaker. That's a great football name, by the way. But that's the guy who's projected to be, you know, the first two-down back. But, you know, I could really see them spreading it out, getting uh, some work to their rookie there, too. Okay, thank you. I have, to, I have to have a backup because I'm three on the claim list. So, you know, somebody might grab Bryce Brown before I do, so i got to have somebody else to back it up with Stuart Down. But I appreciate the advice. Yes, sir. All right, now we bring it over here to Josh here. What you got over there, Josh? Anything on your mind? Matt, you got any good defensive plays this week? Oh, man. This is a week, you know, you want to pay up on the defensive end. Seattle Seahawks facing Cleveland. I played uh, the 49er defense in every single uh, contest last week, and they got me like 12 points, even though, you know, a ton of points were scored. Because what does Johnny Manziel do? He runs around until he gets sacked, and he turns the ball over. <laughs> That's exactly what you want. Yeah. And then you have, you know, the Seattle Seahawks defense, which is just incredibly imposing. And, I mean, it's, it's really expensive, you know, 5,400 on Sandal, 4,200 on DraftKings. But, I mean, they're favored by 14.5 points. This is going to be, like, really ugly. Like, it doesn't get more clear-cut, like, obvious than this. Like, this, they're going to be in every lineup for me this week. Great point there. Okay, and my question here is um, for Matt. I mean, my guy, Amari Cooper, he had probably the worst game of his career with Erzno, probably was the worst game of his career. No catches at all, no yards. Do you see him getting back on track against this Green Bay Packer defense, who actually did a pretty good number on Dallas this last week? He has a decent matchup against Sam Shields, who uh, he's a guy who likes to take risks. So he, I could see him getting, you know, beating him for a long game. Yeah, eight, eight targets last week, no catches. That was that shows the Denver defense. You know, Amari Cooper is a beast. He can separate from the best of them. So they're they're just really locked in on the defensive end over there. I definitely think he'll have a good bounce back this week. Uh, 
Yeah, you have him going against uh, Sam Shields, and then you have Crabtree with actually a little bit better matchup against Demarius Randall this week. Uh, he's got a little two-inch height advantage, but I think he's a little more beatable than the other guy over there. But, I, yeah, I think Amari Cooper is going to have a nice week. Okay, well, I'm hoping so there, Matt. So before we let you go here, tell all the people where they can find all your work at. Check out my articles on xnsports.com and then over on my website, thirddown.com. That's three R D O W N dot com. Thank you for having me on, fellas. It's a pleasure as always. I appreciate you guys. Boy, thank you for being here with us, Matt. It's always a great uh, segment with you, Matt. It's like having our own personal fantasy football dictionary. So uh, we appreciate you. Have yourself a great holiday. Happy holidays, fellas. You too, sir. Uh, you also here. Man, another great uh, segment by Matt Dork in there, huh, Josh? He always does a really great job. And if I was rich and could follow his advice every week, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I, mean, I think he's making a lot of people rich over there here. So I guess before we move into our recaps here, okay, um, how was, how, how's things going on, on in the offseason right now for your Spartans, Kurt? Well, the kids that aren't in the winter sport, we've got them uh, into our weight training program. They have a uh, paid trainer on staff, which is nice. The Mayo Clinic uh, provides trainers at all three of the public high schools here. And uh, so the kids that aren't in the winter sport, we've got them in there three days a week, trying to get them bigger, faster, and stronger. And uh, we've got eight of our starters returning on defense for next year. So... uh, Kind of like what we've got. I hope we fly under the radar and people don't uh, really think about us, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I don't think you guys are flying under the radar too much here. You're kind of the adopted team here on the NGSC West Recess here. So we all love you guys, and every time we get you on, we'll be sure to ask about them Spartans. So I hope all things go well, and you guys will finally get over that hump next season. Right, thanks, Jerome. I, I have the same wish. <laughs> well, hey. You're a hell of a coach, so, yeah, I'm sure you you get them guys there. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's time now for us to begin our um, Week 15 um, recaps here. Okay, we'll get started here with San Diego and Kansas City here. The Chargers and the Chiefs, man, that game was horrible. Bad weather, bad football. But uh, you really can't blame um, Phillip Rivers. I mean, he had the flu and everything. And he really kept San Diego in the game like he always does. He's a competitor. Alex Smith, his interception streak actually ended this week. But, hey, he threw himself a touchdown pass to another wide receiver, Albert Wilson. And the Chiefs, they survive a late run by San Diego, and they hold off the Chargers 10-3. to They've won seven games in a row, and they are really, really starting to look like a team who is really on fire in that AFC. I'm, me, personally, I think if they get in, they can cause a lot of trouble for people. What do you think, Josh? Hey, they keep winning. You can't knock a team that keeps winning. Uh, Alex Smith did end his interception streak, unfortunately, but they got the job done. It wasn't pretty by any means. Only scoring 10 points against San Diego's defense is definitely not anything to get excited about, but they got the job done, and, and their defense played good, so you can't uh, – you got to give credit where it's due, and they got that – D. Ford played really good. He was all over the field with three sacks. I mean, I, I don't even really know much about the guy, but he was all over the field, made plays, they won the game. 
goatee, right? <laughs> yeah, no doubt there. Did you get to check out any of that San Diego Kansas City game over there, Kirk? Yeah, the uh, Chiefs, I think, I think this is a great matchup for their passing offense uh, on the Ravens. Um, you know, Alex Smith is hot, 191 yards last week in the TD. He did throw that interception, but uh, I just think it's a real good matchup for him. Ravens' pasty hasn't been much good at all this year. I think they're ranked uh, around 21st in the NFL, giving up almost 250 yards a game. Um, got a roll with Kansas City. They're the hot team, seven in a row. Uh, I think they're going to make it eight. Mm, good point there. How do you feel? How did you feel about that game this week, Sam? Well, uh, first off, uh, as far as Kansas City is concerned, um, you got to like their chances of, uh, of, of making the playoffs. They've won seven in a row. Are they bound to lose a game? Yes. Um, you know, I'd say that it was kind of a boring game. It was a defensive struggle. Uh, the Chiefs, uh, the defense was playing really well. Obviously, much better than the way it played in the first part of the season. You know, Alex Smith, I'm still really on the fence about. I know he's playing well right now, but that's a guy I don't, I don't trust to um, to take them too far in the playoffs with the particular squad they have. But I think as you look at the team right now, they're, they're going to get in. Uh, I couldn't see them not beating the Ravens this week. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the wild card teams. So you know, I don't think they're going to go. I don't think they can pass the first round. But you know, it's impressive how they've turned things around after being one and five. Yeah, it does start. It is starting to look more like we're facing a world with the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs here. And we pretty much ran through Oakland, Denver earlier in this game. So we'll go ahead and bypass that. We'll move on here to a game who it really shouldn't take much long here. I mean, Detroit, St. Louis. We'll just cover it just because they say we have to. <laughs> that game was pretty bad. The offense was putting everyone to sleep. But hey, Todd Gurley, though, he had his best game in over a month, going for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. And the Rams, man, they, they still have that tough defense. So I think they're still playing hard over there for Jeff Fisher. Once again, probably just a little bit too late there. Rams 21, Lions 14. Your thoughts, Josh? Well, the Rams are a much better team on, on, at home than they are on the road. That's that's for sure. Todd Gurley had a really big game, and and he hadn't done that in the last couple of weeks, and that's probably why they're again they're you know behind kicked. Um, this team basically relies on their defense. That's how they win games. Their defense played good enough, and where the heck was Calvin Johnson in this game? I mean, uh, St. Louis did something right when you hold Calvin Johnson to only one catch for 16 yards. So um, that's how they won the game. You, you take the big players out and. You can win games. St. Louis did it, got it done. Um, I'm not impressed with their offense by any means, but they got it done. Well, I don't think any of us are there. Uh, what, what, did you get to check out any of the Rams this week, Kurt? No, uh, just what popped across, you know, in and out on red zone. Um, but I read up a little bit here and there trying to get a feel for it. And um, unfortunately, I had thought the Lions would win that week. Uh, last week, and uh, but their offense was just out of sync for so much of the game. You know, they moved the ball using their backfield on the ground and through short passing routes. And, but you know, the Rams harassed Stafford and hit him all game. And the Rams, you know, ended up snapping their five-game losing streak with the 21-14 win. Um, I really thought Detroit was going to maybe right the ship, but St. Louis is 
been a problem for me trying to pick them all year long. And uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of see your school of thought there, um, Kurt. But I do believe that that loss to Green Bay with the Hail Mary is it, going to probably hang over Detroit's head the rest of the year. They're not even going to really get up to play anybody the rest of the way. I don't believe. Well, it's a gut wrenching loss. Yeah, I, don't, I, I can I can feel you. I mean, I'm glad the Raiders haven't lost one like that yet this season. And but they had their bad moments against um, Kansas City throwing three interceptions. So <laughs> I mean, Detroit. I feel bad for them guys because every time it seems like they're about to turn things around, something just comes around to bite them in the ass. Seems like a snake bit franchise, in my opinion. What do you think about Detroit St. Louis over there, Sam? Oh, I'm not going to get too heavy into this game because it was honestly a meaningless. It was a meaningless football game. You know, at, at that at that stage, that both teams had no shot to make the playoffs. It, it's a game of pride. You know, the, the Rams uh, the Rams beat them. The Rams outplayed them. They got the win. They deserved it. You know, the for the Lions. You know, that's the Detroit Lions. Uh, they were done when when uh, when Aaron Rodgers hit them with that uh, with that ultimate dagger on the hail mary uh, touchdown. So it's the season's over for both of them. So game to me didn't mean much. It only means a better draft pick at this point. Hey, yeah, pretty much here. I don't blame you. All right, another game that we just go run through real fast here. Johnny Manziel makes his return to the starting lineup for the 86th time in the season for the Cleveland Browns. And lo and behold, they get the job done. They win a football game 24-10. to 10. Manziel, he did throw himself a touchdown pass to Gary Barnett. But the big story in this game was Cleveland's defense getting a blade Gabbert nine times. Those guys can play some defense when they want to. And I think... This is probably a win that's going to really, really cause problems for Mike Pettin. Because now people are going to turn around and point a finger at him and say, why weren't you playing Manziel to begin with? So he's got a lot of issues here when he wins games with Johnny Football at quarterback. Josh? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Cleveland got the game. They did, they did what they needed to do. They ran the ball. Um, they got to the quarterback and... Manziel didn't play. He he played good, and I, honestly, I looked at his stats. He's he's actually played pretty good most games he's been in there. I mean, his stats are definitely not exciting, but he has he hasn't been horrible either. So, um, the team's bipolar in Cleveland. I mean, you don't know who's going to be the quarterback week to week because the coach situation. They they seem confused with what they want to do in Cleveland, but they got this game. They won this game. They got it done. Good, good for Cleveland, and I'm sure their fans are excited about their third win of the season. <laughs> hey, three is better than zero. Here, quick yes. thoughts on this one, Kurt. Well, you know the Browns came to life in all facets for that game against the Niners. Uh, they rushed for a season high, 230 yards and two touchdowns. That kept uh, the Niners' defense honest. Gave Manziel some time to make big plays for the offense. Those two rushing touchdowns are only the third and fourth rushing touchdowns for the Browns this season. And uh, San Francisco's poor defense certainly had a lot to do with Cleveland's success running the ball, but the Browns are able to capitalize nonetheless. Um, you know, the, the Niners, they kind of had the, the bad trifecta for their offense. They had bad luck, bad preparation, and bad execution. All that adds up to a loss. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers, they're kind of an on-and-off football team. And Sunday, they were off. <laughs> All right, 
Now we move on to a game with a team that I've been telling um, Josh and D. Will, they're taking off, they're playing the best football right now. I mean, they lost a key part of their running game by losing Thomas Rawls to the broken ankle. But, hey, Russell Wilson's playing the best football I've seen him play in his career. And the Baltimore Ravens, they were just another bump in the road. The Hawks ran right over them, 35-6. More touchdown passes, catch caught by Doug Baldwin, who seems to have just caught fire. Seven touchdown catches in the last three weeks. I mean, if you got him on FanDuel, I know you're making money over there. And that defense, hey, even Sherman got himself an interception. Baltimore, they folded up the tent, and like I told you guys, Seattle, they're just flying. What you got about to say about this one, Josh? I say the same thing I've been saying for weeks, that Seattle is beating up on teams that aren't any good. So good on them. They're getting wins. They're getting wins. I mean, you can't knock that. Um, Russell Wilson's playing off the charts against really, really bad teams, which is you know what good quarterbacks do i'm not i'm not going to be all excited like you are i'm i don't i'm not buying that seattle's a team that that's going to win the super bowl this year I, I don't i don't believe it they haven't played good against good teams yet this year so when they start beating good teams and i'll start you know cheering for them and saying hey they're they're an amazing team but right now i'm just not excited uh you'll get there josh you'll get there kurt <laughs> your thoughts well, Seattle's now won, what, six of their last seven? Yeah. Wilson stayed red hot week 14 against the Ravens. He had 290-plus yards, five touchdowns. You know, he's been a dominant uh, as a pack pocket passer, but really what you aren't hearing a lot about, I'm seeing improvement in the offensive line as far as pass protection. And, you know, Russell Wilson mentioned that, giving him credit here after the game. And, uh it's just he's playing just about as well as, as anybody right now. Like you said, I think, and I actually think in the last three games, he's hooked up with Baldwin for eight, which is an NFL record. There's a few times for seven. But I think he, he and Wilson have hooked up for eight touchdowns in the last three games. I thought I saw that stat come up NFL Network uh, earlier today, but I'm not sure. But those guys are on fire. Yes, Seattle, they are really starting to take it to opponents, and I'm really looking forward to see if they can carry this all into the playoffs here. Your thoughts, Sam, man? Uh, well, I, I kind of agree with Josh a little bit where, you know, hey, you know, they beat up on the Baltimore Ravens, so let's, you know, you know, relax a little bit here. The Ravens are an awful team, uh, one of the worst defenses in the NFL right now. It's fun watching what Russell Wilson's done the last couple of weeks, this, this whole hookup with Doug Baldwin, but, I mean, do you honestly think – and all of a sudden, Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin are the best quarterback-wide receiver combination in the NFL? No, they're not. They're taking advantage of bad teams. Uh, they're a playoff team, no doubt, but uh, Seattle has some holes. And, look, they're already uh, they're down to, what, their third or fourth running back here now, too. So, you know, you know they're going to get in. They're not going to win the division. They're probably going to get knocked out in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, I'm just not as impressed with them as some other people are. Mm. Okay. Well, it's okay to have a different take there. I'm feeling the Hawks. You and Josh are not feeling the Hawks. I guess time will tell how, how this will end up here. So before we move on here to our last game, the big game here, Minnesota, Arizona, I want to ask you, Kurt, since you are an avid Vikings fan, at 85, how do you think Minnesota's chances are of getting in the playoffs? I know we've talked about this before. I want you to tell America how you feel about it, though. Well, I think they're sitting good. They're really up two games with three to play. Um, I think the one they have to keep an eye on is, is probably Tampa Bay. I mean, you can go through the mathematical logarithms and algebra to 
figure out the NFL playoff scenarios. But I think it really comes down to uh, Tampa Bay. Um, the Vikings got two home games remaining here. They play the Bears at home and the Giants at home, and then they go on to um, Lambeau Field for Week 17. Um, I think they can win two out of those three. They could win all three, but um, I think they win. I think they only have to win one. I think they'll win two. Um, the tough one's going to be the Sunday night game. They move that Giants game in Week 17. They have a horrible record on uh, night games since 2009. They're three and 18 in those. Um, maybe Mike Zimmer can write the boat, but I think it looks good for the Vikings. Um, I, I think they can win one or two out of these last three. Hmm, okay, well, uh, I think they're in also. I think they'll get both of those home games there, and they'll end up getting in at 10 and 6. I do. I know I have New York winning the East. They'll still get two of the three division games. So they'll, they'll get. I think they'll upset Carolina, and they'll get that last game with Philly, and it pretty much causes some weird eight and eight tiebreaker craziness that you have to pretty much be a math major to figure out here. But I'll let you begin uh, breaking down Minnesota Arizona here, Kurt. What do you think um, was the problem at the end of this game, or just problems with Minnesota just in general that cost them a victory? I didn't like North play calling, you know. Um, uh, there at the end, Teddy held on to the ball. You know, they were in the game, and the offense looked much better. You know, they ran a lot of shorter routes, but I really don't see Norv and, and the team still putting much on Teddy Bridgewater's plate. That kind of limits, you know, the whole offense's upside. Um, but we've reached the point where the Vikings are seeing a lot of good defenses and a certain Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, Teddy probably had his best game I've seen him have as a pro, and it still ended up in a loss. But uh, I was impressed with the number of uh, rookies. I think we had four rookies starting on defense, and one or two guys off the practice squad. Um, Zimmer's defense travels and plays well. Um, that's the key to this, you know. Uh, uh, but they had a chance to win. I actually, they were closer playing at Arizona. I thought they'd get blown out with the guys they had missing. But, uh once again, they proved me wrong. They've been a tough team for me this year. Uh, so it was exciting. They were in it to the end. Uh, I I would have kicked the field goal. And <laughs> uh, I I think we all would have, Kurt. And I bet that Mike Zimmer could have would take could take that one back if he could. Because I mean, I don't know what he was thinking trying to go to the end zone. I mean, Arizona's not going to get that to you. Just throw, run the ball, get in the middle of the field, play for overtime. That's what I say. Yeah, and I don't even think he was looking to the end zone. He was supposed to go outside and then throw it away and not take a sack. Said he held on to the ball too long. You've got to have that internal clock and realize, you know, if it's not there, throw it away. But he's in his second year. He made a mistake. Yeah, no doubt. We had the same problems with Derek Carr against Kansas City last week. I mean, he was making bad decisions. His head, I mean, his internal clock didn't go off. And by the time it did, he's throwing the football into the chest of a 300-pound lineman, and he's running the other way. So these young quarterbacks, I'm sure they'll definitely get it together at some point here. I mean, they're young, they're talented, and I really look forward to seeing them for years to come. Your thoughts on this game, Josh? I'm impressed with Michael Floyd, actually. That guy has been playing really good the last few weeks. Um, he had a really great year in 2013 and kind of had injury issues and a bunch of issues since – since 2013, but last few games he's been really big for Arizona. And then, of course, Carson Palmer is playing. I don't know. If I were to vote for MVP, he would be in the top three for sure right now with how he's playing. So 
Arizona's a good team, and uh, so is Minnesota, but Arizona got it done on this day, and and I'm impressed with Arizona. I think they're going to they're gonna go far in the playoffs, I think. Oh, yeah. I definitely think they'll be playing um, a football game most likely um, in mid-January. Well, they're going to lock up the two seeds, so, so, yeah, that will be happening. They just better hope that they don't run into the Seattle Seahawks. But that's another story for another day there. Your thoughts on this match here, Stan, man? Uh, well, actually, I was surprised. Uh, I thought Arizona would, uh, wouldn't have a problem handling Minnesota at home, especially on a short week. Uh, I, give, I give the Vikings kudos for you know, how, how well they played in that football game, their ability to come back in that football game. But when it comes down to it, and you can, you can say what you want about Teddy Bridgewater on that last play, when you have 13 seconds left and no timeouts and you're in field goal range, you cannot risk that third down play. That is on the head coach. You don't risk that play. You have no timeouts. You know if something goes wrong, uh, even an aborted snap, anything that goes wrong on that play, okay, then you do not have enough time to kick the field goal. You cannot do that. That's on the head coach. That's a horrible decision by the head coach. And in my, in my opinion, it cost the Vikings an opportunity to play in overtime. Oh, it most definitely did. I mean, I'm not a big fan of moral victories myself. But Minnesota did equip themselves very well in the desert last Thursday. So they did gain a, um, a bit of a, a respect from Raider Rome here. Great work. You, got, you guys just killed it with Bridgewater's bad decision at the end of it. Pretty much our look at our Week 14 games here. And without further ado, hey, let's jump right into it. It's time for Week 15 here in the West Coast here. And we'll get it started with the game tomorrow in St. Louis, a game that could potentially be the final game for the St. Louis Rams. And they just they take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here on Thursday night football. There's not really much to see from this game other than Jameis Winston continuing his um, run for Rookie of the Year. He won't have Vincent Jackson though, but he'll still have Doug Martin and Mike Evans if he can ever stop dropping the football. So I'm really looking forward to that. And as far as the Rams go, they have that hell of a defense, and they do have Todd Gurley who seems to have gotten back on track. I mean, this game should be pretty boring anyway. I'm gonna go ahead and say the Rams get it done, 16 to 13. What you got, Josh? I think I'm going to pick Tampa Bay to win this game, 21 to 13, and I think this because St. Louis <laughs> wins a game and then they always lose like two in a row. So uh, <laughs> seriously, I mean that's how they are. So that's why I think Tampa Bay is going to win. I just think St. Louis is going to come off a win. They're going to lose again. I feel that, man. Kurt, well, who you got in this match here? I go with Tampa to win on the road, twenty to sixteen. Okay, and sad man. Uh, tough call on this game. I think you could flip a coin, to be honest with you. And it has a little bit of meaning to Tampa Bay. Obviously, uh, they still have an outside shot at the playoffs. Uh, they're in the St. Louis Thursday night short week. I uh, really could flip a coin, but I'm going to take the Rams, twenty to seventeen. Okay, we got two and two here. Two Rams um, picks, two Buccaneer picks. So it'll be fun to see how this one shakes out tomorrow here. All right, next up, we've got probably the hottest team in football taking on a team who looks like they're just ready for the season to end, Kansas City and Baltimore. I mean, not much really has to be said about this game. I do believe that Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware is going to grind the Ravens to bits with that power run game. And uh, Travis Kelsey, he'll probably get in the end zone along with Albert Wilson. I mean, the only thing to say is San Diego from a beatdown last week, I believe, is that monsoon. And I'm not sure how the weather is in Baltimore, but if it's – Anything clear, Kansas City is going to kick their ass. 
Chiefs, 23, Ravens, 10. What you got, Josh? See, I, I think this game could either be a blowout or it could be close. This is just a weird game for me, but I will go ahead and say Kansas City is going to get the job done, and they're going to win 31-17. to 17. All right. Kurt? Kansas City gets their eighth in a row. The Ravens continue their march and quest for the first pick. <laughs> it's uh, 24 Chiefs, 13 Ravens. Okay, I like that there. And Sandman, you going for the sweep? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the, the Ravens have nothing to play for. Kansas City's red hot. Uh, their defense is playing great. The Ravens have no quarterback really right now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kansas City winning by a score of 27 to six over the Ravens. Okay, and we all have the Chiefs there very decisively in that matchup here. All right, now this game here, a game that's pretty near and dear to my heart here. My Oakland Raiders are 6-7. and seven. Hey, they've got a faint heartbeat for the playoffs, but, hey, who cares? They showed a lot of sack with the way they came back to defeat the Denver Broncos, and it wasn't even Derek Carr. Khalil Mack kind of led the way on this one, and this was his first big breakout game as a pro. I do believe that now that that's going to give the Raiders the confidence to go forward. I mean, Latavius Murray was even starting to get stronger as that game went on. Derek Carr, he's going to find his game this week. Amari Cooper, you can't keep him down. Although Aaron Rodgers and that offense of Green Bay, they're pretty much a problem for anyone there. So I do believe that you're going to see a lot of back and forth in this game. And Eddie Lacy, he may beat up that Raider front seven, but they played pretty well, though, against Ronnie Hillman last week. So it's going to be a pretty fun game here. I'm going to stop short of making a prediction for obvious reasons here. I learned my lesson well, about that. But I will well, say this. If Carr can make plays and the Raiders' defense can slow down um, Rodgers, they'll have a shot at this one in the fourth quarter. Josh. Man, you should make a pick, man. All right. Hey, uh, <laughs> Green Bay has struggled to score, honestly, um, for the past, what, month and a half now. Uh, Oakland Oakland could pull the upset here. I'm, I honestly believe this, but there's another smarter side of me that says that Green Bay probably will get it done. So I'll go ahead and pick Green Bay just because that's the logical pick here. 21 to 17. Well, if we could hold Green Bay to 21 points on that, I'd be pretty damn happy about that. Oh, one, you guys, trust me, Green Bay is not going to score as many points as people are thinking. They're not going to. Well, hey, we'll see how it shakes out those Sunday there. What you got for this matchup, Kurt? Well, the football team from America's Dairyland is going to head out west to Oak Town, and I see them, unfortunately, Bringing home a win, 24-21, Packers. Okay, Sam, man, you going for the sweep there? Well, I'm going to say that um, the price of cheese is going to go up in Oakland. And uh, I see Aaron Rodgers having a big game this Sunday in Oakland. And I have the Packers winning this game by a score of 34-24 to over the Raiders. Okay, well, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty good action-packed football game. So win or lose, I'll be pretty um, excited to look forward to it and watch it here. And now we move on from an exciting game to a game that may not be so exciting. The Cleveland Browns, sure, you got Johnny Manziel, the guy who wins football games, who puts the asses in the seats, and there's nothing that can be said about that. He makes it for an interesting um, football game every time he's on the field. But going into Seattle to take on the Legion of Boom and, and a rejuvenated Russell Wilson, I don't really see Cleveland being able to handle the 12th man. And the Hawks, they continue their push towards the playoffs. This may be fun for a little while. Seattle pulls away in the second half. I say Hawks, 24, Browns, 9. Josh. 
so yeah, uh, <laughs> Hawks are going to win for sure. Um, Thirty-one to ten. All right, Kurt, what you got for this one? I'm close to Josh on that. I've got Seattle rolling them, thirty-one thirteen. And Sam, man, you go for the sweep. Well, there's just no way that I could possibly go against the greatest wide receiver quarterback combination of our time. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Seattle, 38. Cleveland, 3. Ouch. Ooh, Johnny Football is going to be Johnny Beat that. I'm not from the sounds of that here. All right, next, next up here, we got a game where I think if you have to watch this on your local CBS station, you'll probably either go Christmas shopping with your wife or you'll sleep through it. Miami versus San Diego. The Dolphins, they seem to can still rule the ball pretty well with Tannehill and Jarvis Landry and the guys of the like. And San Diego, I mean, it seems like Phillip Rivers is the only guy on that team still fighting. And me and Josh, we may suit up and start wide receivers this week for San Diego. And, and an offensive, and an offensive backfield with Butler and Matson in it, it's not going to bode well for you. Miami, 17. San Diego, 7. What you got, Josh? I will take Miami to win this game 21 to 13. All right, what you got there, Kurt? Well, after the fast case, Miami left in my mouth for Monday Night Football where I picked them to beat the Giants. I'm not going to do that this week. I'm going to go San Diego at home in a stunner, 24-21 over Miami. Ooh, go Bolts. And what you got for us over there, Sam, man? Well, to me, there's only two reasons that you even want to be at this game. Either the weather, because it is San Diego, or it's something to do with fantasy football is involved in this game. Like you have Philip Rivers or Tannehill on your team. But uh, I have a feeling, too. I got a little feeling there, like uh, Nelly has here, that the uh, Chargers are going to win this football game 24-23 over Miami. Well, before we move on, I've got a bit of bad news for you, though, Sam, man. It is supposed to rain over here in the greater Southern California area Sunday, so you won't be there for the weather. You <laughs> well, I should like the rain. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, unless you're, like the, unless you're a fan of the rain. So, yeah, it's going to be a pretty soggy, nasty day out there in San Diego. Well, that's fine. And, you know, I'm on the East Coast, so i, I got to apologize to everyone out there. I just I have no clue about the weather out on the West Coast. Well, hey, I don't blame you. I would automatically assume that it's always 70 and sunny here, too. So, hey, I ain't going to hate. <laughs> All right, next up here we got the Bengals and the 49ers. This game actually turned pretty interesting now with the fact that Andy Dalton is out of this one with his broken thumb. They still have a power running game, though, with Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard, and you still got A.J. Green. A.J. McCarron actually played pretty well in relief last week, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do now with more of a, of a with more repetition and a whole week of practice here. The 49ers, after catching that beat down from, Cle- from Cleveland, I'm not sure if they have anything left in the tank. I still think a Cincinnati team without Andy Dalton can get the job done here. And I'm going to say Bengals, 27, 49ers, 17. Josh. Um, yeah, the Bengals are still going to win this game. But it's going to be a close one, 21-17. Okay, and what you got for us there, Kurt? Well, the Bengals are going to rally behind their young quarterback. They've got enough talent across the roster on both sides of the ball. Uh, I think Gabbert has now clicked his heels and found there's no place like home, and he came back to reality. I think he's 2-3 and three now. I see Bengals 
24, the 9 is 17. Okay, and Sandman, you going for the sweep there? Oh, well, most definitely, but uh, yeah, most people out there who uh, have listened to me in the past know that I am uh, a believer in A.J. McCarron. I think he's going to be able to assert himself well. Uh, I, I actually think I'd rather have him in a playoff game over Andy Dalton. Let me say that right now. Uh, this is a guy who knows how to run a football team. Uh, I'm a little more confident in him not making the bigger mistakes, and uh, I think he'll play a fine football game in San Francisco, and I had the Bengals winning that game 20-13 to 13 over the 49ers. All right, I like it, I like it. And now we move on here to our big one here in the AFC West. You got the Denver Broncos, the AFC West leaders, coming off of a horrific performance against the Oakland Raiders. Good thing, though, for Brock Osweiler. Khalil Mack can't, go, can't travel with him to Pittsburgh, so he may feel a little bit better about that one. But their defense can travel anywhere. Akeem Khalid, Chris Harris, those guys, they get all over you. They get the job done. Then you got Von Miller. Man, that guy, he hits hard. And going into Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger, he's probably running one of the best offenses in the game right now, led by Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant. This game is going to be an interesting, really, really fun clash of styles here. I do believe, however, Denver, they get, they get the job done on the road just because of that defense. They slow down Roethlisberger enough, and they get the win 17-14. to 14. What you got, Josh? Well, it's an interesting thing that if Pittsburgh wins out, and the Jets went out for the remainder of the season, Pittsburgh will get in, the Jets won't get in. So the Pittsburgh needs to win out because if they don't, they're not in the playoffs. It's almost the numbers don't add up. So, And I actually think they're going to win this game anyways. I, I don't think Denver is going to be able to score points enough to win this game. So I will pick Pittsburgh to win 21-10. to 10. Okay. And what you got for this match here, Kurt? Well, with Denver, you know, they really looked well early on with uh, Osweiler. Uh, but last week, you know, they weren't able to run the ball. Um, they moved the ball. Um, there were some bad drops. But what really stands out to me for Osweiler, you know, they got down in the red zone, and the game really changes down there. And everything's quicker. The field is tighter. You know, and they had to settle for it. They had, like, you know, 20, 21 yards, they were settling for field goals instead of touchdowns, and I think that's going to be the problem here, trying to stick with the Steelers who just have so much offensive firepower. Um, I think they're going to shut down the run of Denver, and I look for Steelers 24, Denver 17. Okay. And Sam, man, what you got for this match? Uh, I definitely, this is a fascinating, uh, fascinating football game, and obviously a huge football game in Pittsburgh. Uh, you're talking about a situation here where yeah, you're going, you're a Steelers team that loves to pass the ball, going up a great pass, I guess a great pass defense and a team with a great pass rush in Denver. Then you got to look on the other side of the ball where you see the Steelers who have one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Well, can Brock come up and have a big game this week? That's the question. If he plays well and they can um, take advantage of that Steelers secondary, they have a very good chance to win. I don't trust Brock. I don't, you know, so. Personally, I think if they had Peyton Manning, they'd win this football game, but they don't, and I'm going to go with the Steelers by a score of 23-20. to 20. Okay, so we've got three Steelers, one Broncos here. Okay, that's going to be a big-time game there. And our final preview of the night here, we got Arizona taking off Philadelphia here. The Cardinals, they're continuing the roll toward that two-seed. Carson Palmer playing just dominant football, and David Johnson, he's actually playing well also. Philadelphia, they seem to have gotten back on track. They've won two straight. 
Sam Bradford's not turning the ball over. And, hey, they actually had a Nelson Aguilar sighting last week. And with that, I still think Arizona, they're going to continue to their run toward the playoffs. It'll be a close game. I say Arizona 27, Philadelphia 23. Josh? I probably will be the only one to pick Philadelphia to win this game, but I have a feeling Philadelphia is going to win this game. And I don't know why at the moment, other than the fact that I think Philadelphia has more to, more to gain from a win here than Arizona does. So that is why I'm taking Philadelphia to win in a close one, 21-17. to 17. All right. What you got for us there, Kirk? Well, I, I see the NFC East this week going 0-4, so that means the Eagles lose. Arizona wins again 30-21. to 21. Okay, and Sam, man. Well, I see the NFC East going 1-3 this week. Um, but this isn't the game I see the NFC East winning. Uh, you know, the Eagles have won two in a row. Uh, they honestly haven't been that impressive in doing so. They've caught a lot of breaks in doing so. I don't like their head coach. I don't like his system. They're going up against, in my opinion, is the best team in the NFC this week. Home or away, I like Arizona. Cardinals take out the Eagles 30-20. to 20. Okay, and we all go with the sweep there. Oh, wait, Josh had Philadelphia there. My bad there. And that was our week 15 um, previews there. And we really look forward to that one. And I'd like to say thank you again tonight to Sandman and the Kurt. You guys did a great job, and you already know you've got an open invitation to join the NGSC West Recess with me and Josh anytime you like. So to you two, I'd like to say thank you. Yes, thank you for having me. Happy holidays to all of you out there. Uh, to you, uh, Josh, to you, Jerome, and to you, Nelly. Happy holidays. It was a great time doing the show with all three. I loved it. Merry Christmas. Always, happy Hanukkah. Happy, happy holidays. And thank you very much, dear. Um, my prediction of Derek Carr light, lighting um, Denver up like a Hanukkah bush didn't seem to go to fruition since Josh said Hanukkah. But, yeah, that's pretty much what I meant with that one. And, yeah, thank you also, Kurt. Uh, it was a great show. We're going to keep the uh, Mayo Spartans in our thoughts, and we'll try to get you on in here probably for your spring football, see how that's going. Friday night, say you guys are in a Raider mood. I mean, hell, who isn't in a Raider mood after Khalil Mack just pretty much abused Brock Osweiler to the tune of five sacks? And, hey, me and Jim, we'll have a lot to tell you about that one, and we'll look ahead to that Oakland Green Bay showdown Friday night, um, 930 Eastern on the NGSC with the Black Hole Brigade. So we're really looking forward to that one there. And Tuesday night, uh, I'm sure that you all are Patriot fans. Uh, well, I'm not. And I'm sure there's a few people that aren't. But, yeah, there's a great show on here on the NGSC called The Flying Ellis Faithful. Those guys, they do the New England Patriots more justice than I could, would, or want to. It's run by Josh Mass and the Shaq Krosky, two very good friends of mine. They do a very good show. So if you are a Patriot fan or you're just a fan of football at large, check them out Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern now. And their new co-host, John Doucette, they do a very good job over there. So Flying Ellis Faithful on NGSC. And next Wednesday night, if you're in a holiday mood, you can find me and Josh right back here next Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Pacific, on the NGSC West Coast Recess. We'll be in a bit of a holiday mood next week. We'll, have, we'll bring the fun to you. We'll have ourselves a great time. And you never know who's going to stop by. So tune in and listen for the magic. It's going to be a great show. So for my guest tonight, I'm Sandman, Coach Kurt Nelson, and my co-host with the most, my brother of another color, Josh Matson. I'm Jerome Butler, Raider Rome, and I'd like to say to you all, good night, and go Raiders. Have yourself a wonderful week. This has been the NGSC West Recess. Good night. Good night. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.